the Telegraph newspaper, which is one of the biggest newspapers in the country, read by millions, had, and this was before lockdown and everything, they'd published an article that was the 13 things you need to do due to COVID that's coming, right? It wasn't like lockdown yet. It was just like, this is here. Maybe you should do these things. Um, and it was it was on the front page of the newspaper, you know, the 13 things to do for COVID. And then you go to the article a few pages in and, you know, the first tip was make sure you wash your hands. Second tip was follow the NHS advice, which is our medical system. So obviously like listen to your doctors and what they're saying. And then the next thing was like, eat a good diet. And then after that, it was Biotonic Health. And there was, I was just like blown away. I was like completely, completely shocked and like completely stunned at what happened um, because we were featured so high up. Like they had 13 points and we were like the fourth, like as the thing to do. Um, and it was just massive for us. It, it set us up from being a kind of small company with an MVP to all of a sudden national awareness overnight. You know, that week we sold 10 times more than we'd sold since we launched. Um, so it was just like this hockey stick, boom. Um, and just like, wow, like here we are, this is it. Like now's the time to go. Um, so that was crazy. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. We give you the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before. Today, we're traveling across the pond, as they say, to chat with Suna Van Campen, founder of Tonic Health Vitamin Drinks. And if there was ever someone who was worthy of a Facing the Giant story, it's Suna, as he shares his experiences with growing a company through a global pandemic, navigating stringent regulations, and facing some industry giants of his own, and then coming out successful on the other side. And with that, I'll turn it over to our host, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Adventure. Today, we have a David versus Goliath story for you from the corporate finance industry to natural remedies. Welcome the founder of Tonic Health, Suna Von Koppen. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me. We're, uh, we're going to have some fun today. We're going to get to share your journey, learn about uh, how you were able to weave in the entrepreneur adventure while working different jobs and continuing to be challenged and growing in such a competitive industry that's uh, really owned by major players. So, man, I'm, I'm excited to learn more. I'm excited to dive in. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got started. Hey, Chad, just diving in real quick here, man. This is so soon. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this song. It's a country song here in America. But it's got Jimmy Buffett in it. And the song's called It's Five O'Clock Somewhere. Well, it's one o'clock where we're at, but it's five o'clock where you're at. So <laughs> legitimately, right. it's five o'clock in London with Sooner right now. So uh, it is. So so I'm having one on you here, buddy. I wish I had a beer with me. To I, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I just lost my business partner for the rest of the day. <laughs> Well, you got to make it fun when you can, right? I mean, the the journey has been an interesting one. I think um, the entrepreneurial spirit was always there in me. And um, it actually started probably when I was four years old. I was sitting on my parents' stairs, blocking them from going up or down unless they paid me like a 4p toll to get past <laughs> me. Um, so 
God knows what I was thinking when I was four, but I, you know, I wanted to make money and I wanted a business. Um, so that was where it kind of all began. And I've had, uh, you know, then I had an eBay business when I was 16 and I've always had this idea of like, well, I can just create this or I can just do that. Um, but then, you know, with tonic, it, it actually all started about five years ago, as you said, when I was working in corporate finance, I was working for a bank called Barclays bank, which is one of the biggest banks in the UK. And I was getting ill like three or four times a winter, like with cold or flu. And I was just like, what is going on? I played sport. I considered myself healthy and, you know, ate sort of good food and whatever else. But I was just getting sick all the time. And I was like, man, like, why can't I sort this out? Like, why can't I do something about it? What, why is everything on the shelf an artificial drug that just suppresses the symptom and doesn't actually help me recover? Um, that's kind of what started me on that kind of, that was my mission. That was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. I, you know, why don't we change this? And through a bit of self-experimentation and learning about the immune system and how it works, I actually just, you know, made little potions in my kitchen, blends of vitamins and plants. I would literally, sounds disgusting, but I would literally like blend garlic, turmeric, ginger, um, a lemon and apple and like neck it down in this shop. And, you know, but what I found to my amazement was like, damn, like if I do that at the first sign of a cold, instead of it being this protracted five to seven day, you know, painful process of getting rid of a cold or a flu, it was gone in two days. It'd be in and out without it being really very bad or needing to take any time off work. And I was like, damn. Like there's something here, there's something really powerful, but nothing on the market um, does that or can offer me that solution in a in a convenient way that isn't like necking garlic and ginger and turmeric, which isn't very nice, right? Um, and that that's kind of what got me started. But at the time, you know, I was maybe like two years out of university in my first job in banking with very little experience, no idea how to start a food or drink brand or even, you know, go and create a product with a manufacturer. Um, All right, so hold, like, hold on, hold on for a second. Now I got a question for you. So, so I love this journey already because you've got a problem and you're trying to solve the problem. And, and obviously you're figuring out, okay, personally for me, I can solve this problem. I can perform better at work. I can feel better. What made you go from the solution for you to wanting to build a business around it? Was that, were you looking at the time? Hey, I'm looking for a business. Uh, I'm looking to get out of corporate finance. I think there's an element of, I don't know what it is, whether it's ethics or like, just, I think it's criminal personally that these companies can sell you stuff that doesn't work in this space. And when I see something like that, I'm like, it's not fair on people like, you know, most people go, oh, I'll take this drug pharma drug. Great. But you read the side effects and it says reduces white blood cell count. Hmm. Like, why would you want to do that when you're sick? Like, don't think so. So there's like <laughs> these big food and drink and pharma companies that are basically selling people junk that makes them unhealthy. And I'm like, it's just frankly wrong. Like, how is this happening in today's world when we know so much about how the human body works? I get it, like 50 years ago when they created their products, they potentially thought they were doing the right thing for people, but the science has moved on and they haven't. And I think that that needs to be corrected. And, you know, I like to help people. So that's ultimately what I want to do. 
It's awesome. such a crazy thing where they're man too. If you think about like, you're saying that, like, how can they sell these products that do these things? And I love marketing. So I, I just, I like watching commercials and the ones for pharmaceuticals are the best because they show, you know, the person they seem down at first. It's like the most down. yeah glorious day ever all of a sudden. Yeah. And the next thing you know, it like turns into like a Corona commercial, but with like that the thing where they're saying like, uh, taking this drug may kill you. It may cause you to be really mad at everyone that you meet. It may cause you to, you know, storm out your door and yell at your neighbors. It's like, but in that little voice, you know, like the, yeah. Oh hey, yeah. This will probably never happen, but, but you oh, still see God. the people, you know, dancing and they're falling in love. And I'm like, yeah, the picture and the watch music it, doesn't go. Watch with us over coming. here. Don't, don't listen to what I'm saying over here. <laughs> Pay yeah. no attention to the man behind the curtain. Right. Yeah, I, I love yes. it because there's there's a problem solving component to this, and then there's a passion behind it too. Of yeah, people are getting screwed. Yeah, yeah, no, fundamentally, that's I think what drives me because I just think it's it's not fair and it's wrong, and you know people are being misled ultimately. Um, and so yeah, I kind of set about on this journey, which then you know took me from corporate finance into uh, Virgin. The, air, the travel company, the airline here in the UK, which yes. I thought, well, if any corporate's going to teach me how to be entrepreneurial, it'll be Virgin, owned by Richard Branson, who's, you know, an amazing entrepreneur. Um, but then after a year and a half there, I kind of realized, well, it's just any other corporate, so I really need to go small. And that's when I joined a, a baby food company that was a super small startup, you know, three people, and went in there and kind of grew that business Um rapidly and took it into every supermarket in the UK as their kind of head of sales and commercial. So it was the, that year and a bit that was like, right, now I know how to do this. Like I've got the model down of how I work with the retailers in the UK, what they need to see um, commercially, how I need to build the business. And um, then from there, set up my first company, which was a, a, an agency um, doing sales and marketing for other food, food and drink brands, essentially to earn a bit of capital in order to be able to get tonic off the ground. Um, and so, yeah, four or five years later, it, I launched tonic at uh, November, 2019, which was uh, set to be a crazy winter when the pandemic kicked in. <laughs> what a great time for a remedy drink. I mean, yeah. <laughs> a booster immune system, man. This is the perfect time. Uh, that's interesting to hear that. So I got to ask you this soon. did, did you come up with this idea of, all right, I need to, I need to leave my job at the bank and corporate finance to go to Virgin because hopefully there I'll learn more of an entrepreneurial spirit or how entrepreneurs do it. Again, Richard Branson being one of the best entrepreneurs of all time, uh, definitely in our time. And then the transition to, again, the startup company, which man, makes perfect sense. If you're going to launch your own company, why not go work with another startup where you're not the one who's completely leveraged to try to figure out what it's like? And then even going into your next company, which was starting your own gig, but not with the intent, it seems like, of that being your final gig. Um, doing what So I guess, were you doing for your first startup the same type of role you were doing for the baby food startup company? Uh, yeah, essentially. I mean, what I was lucky enough to achieve at the baby food company was like a huge story here in the UK business press because we'd gone from a baby food company with a few products into every major supermarket in the UK within the space of about 18 months. So it was like, wow, look at this baby food company and what they've done. So luckily I was able to kind of leverage that experience and go to other companies and say, Hey guys, like, look, this is what I did in 18 months for this baby food company. 
um, I'd like to help take you on that same journey because I think you've got a great product and a great opportunity. And yeah, it was, you know, it was not that I, I, I love those other jobs. It was brilliant. I got to work in coffee, chocolate, um, kombucha, like you name it. We had it, even a brand you guys must know well, Hum Kombucha. Um, we took those guys into the UK. Um, so like gave me loads of good insight into how loads of different companies operate um, in this space as well. But then actually that business is still going. I left it with my co-founder um, who still runs the business today. I just knew I wanted to transition out and get Tonic Health going, which was always my ultimate ambition. Did you see this as like a five-year plan when you started out? Or was it like when you transitioned through these different jobs and different opportunities, did you see it as like, all right, a year to 18 months transition? Or did you just kind of feel your way through it? It's a good question. I think um, I'm probably a bit more impulsive than that, than being like, this is my five-year plan. This is when it's going to you know, transition because you don't quite know how it's going to go. Um, you know, if Virgin was like, this is the company for me and I absolutely loved it, you know, who, who knows, I might have still been there. Um, but I guess the thing that drove me forward always and made the decisions along my journey was all around learning. After 14 to 16, 18 months, I was like, I know this role. I know this company. I know this industry. I'm good. Thanks very much. I need to go learn something else. Um, it was always that. I want to acquire knowledge. I want to get better. I want to understand business from every possible angle um, and from every possible industry as well, because they're all so different um, that kind of kept me moving forward and got me to where I am. You say impulsive here, but man, I see so much like patience and such a methodical approach to getting a business education. You exactly like you laid out there. Hey, I'm going here and I've absorbed as much as I can from the business aspect of what I want to do. Now I'm going to go to somewhere else. And it's so brilliant because you're going to places where you're getting to experiment and, and not only experiment and learn on somebody else's dime, they're paying you to do it. And then you're, you're building the proof of concept and then going and doing it again at a bigger level and in, in a different space inside of that, in the marketing space and the bringing products to shelves. What a, awesome tip for our audience to, to take away from that is it is such a mindset right now in the entrepreneurial space of just go for it, just quit your job and go do it, or you'll figure it out, or there's no better time than the present. And I feel like that is on some level, really bad advice for most people. Your five-year plan, although it wasn't a five-year plan, is such a smart approach to test and learn and build your skills and be able to have a proof of concept in three or four areas on other people's money while you're being paid before you go out and, and build your own brand and build your own business. Man, that's, that's one of the smartest approaches I have ever heard to going out and really kicking off an entrepreneurial journey. I love it. Yeah. Robert Kiyosaki talks about this. I don't know if you've read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but this is his thing. He, he has the, you know, coined the phrase, um, kids come out of college and they like, go find the highest paying job they can make. Like, he's just like, where can I find the money, man? Finally get a place where I can make some money. Where is it? He's like, bad advice, work to learn, not to earn when you're starting out. And he really prescribes exactly what you did soon. And he's like, find opportunities to learn and advance your skills, find out what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you like, what you don't like work there until you're not learning anything anymore. And then go find the next opportunity. And it's yeah. stunning to see, like you did that and then worked that into the launch 
of this dream company that you got. Like, yeah, this was the, that seed of entrepreneurship when you're at the bank, you're like, I'm going to go start this company. So, and you, so work that you get to that point. Basically when I stopped learning from Josh as a business partner five or six years ago <laughs> and surpassed him, I probably should have pivoted and went a different direction. <laughs> But I mean, I, I guess here we are on this podcast, so it's working out one way or the other. Well, no, no thank you guys. I mean, that's you know, great to hear from another perspective because I just think you know, it's my life, you don't necessarily reflect on it all the time. And but I, I totally agree, I, I don't agree with that advice of like just start a company, you'll figure it out. I mean, you will learn a lot, but you could get it totally wrong. Like, if I'd have started Tonic five years ago. I wouldn't have achieved half the things I have now, you know, and I was actually on another podcast um, a few weeks back and the, the, the host of it, Jared Graybeal, he's a great guy. He, he talked about it being patient urgency. So I, I'm incredibly impatient or like urgent in what I, what I want to do. As soon as like I've done, I've got my learning, I'm out, I'm gone. Like I'm urgent because I know I want to get, here and deliver and grow my business but at the same time I was methodical and patient and took the steps I needed to take to get to the end uh, goal and get acquire the skills I needed so it's, it's kind of a bit that blend right because if you're too patient you sit in the same corporate job for five years get stale don't learn don't learn another industry so you know most people look on my CV now and go so why did you never stay in a role for longer than 18 months and this is exactly the reason, you know, the old school way of thinking would be, well, you need to do two, maybe three years per role, show that you're solid in a company and X, Y, and Z, but I didn't really care about that. And that's, that's probably true if you want to have a job forever. But yeah. if you're, if you're working the entrepreneur adventure, you're like, well, no, I'm going to climb to the peak of this one. And I'm all right. I can, yep. I saw everything I needed to see time to go scale the next mountain. Right. So yeah, man. So, all right. So you launched this company, November, 2019. Walk us through this a little bit, man, because this is an inter interesting time because, what, three, four months later, the universe shuts down. So walk yeah. us through a little bit of the start of, of um, Tonic Health and then working through kind of the, the challenges that COVID would have presented to you. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, you know, we started with an MVP, right? As you do, you got to get the bare bones out there and start proving the concept, proving the sales, getting some customers. So we started in November 2019, just going to talk to independent pharmacies and saying like, hey guys, you know, here's this science that shows if you look after your immune system with high doses of these vitamins, you can shorten the duration of the cold and flu by two or three days. You know, you've got loads of customers coming in here and buying a pharmaceutical drug that potentially prolongs the duration of their cold and flu. And it just provides symptomatic relief right? For a short moment, for a couple of hours, you feel better. And then you go back to feeling rubbish. So why not sell them both, you know, sell them a box of the pharma drug and sell them the high dose vitamin. So you're actually doubling your basket spend, you're getting your customer to spend twice as much, you're making money. And actually, the customer is getting the benefit of that short term relief if they need it. And that kind of actually effective recovery for your immune system. Um, so we, you know, started super grassroots and just had to go and knock on a lot of doors like that. Um, and then obviously crazy time in the world in February, March last year. And you just start to see this thing happening where you're like, wow, like what, what is going on? Um, and then we had it just hit like a rocket ship. Um, you know, all of a sudden I, I, I literally 
remember the day I was running down the high street like a kid coming out of primary school, happy to be finishing school, like with a big grin on my face. Because what happened was um, the Telegraph newspaper, which is one of the biggest newspapers in the country, read by millions, had, and this was before lockdown and everything, they had published an article that was the 13 things you need to do due to COVID that's coming, right? It wasn't like lockdown yet. It was just like, this is here. Maybe you should do these things. Um, and it was, it was on the front page of the newspaper, you know, the 13 things to do for COVID. And then you go to the article a few pages in and, you know, the first tip was make sure you wash your hands. Second tip was follow the NHS advice, which is our medical system. So obviously like listen to your doctors and what they're saying. And then the next thing was like, eat a good diet. And then after that, it was biotonic health. And there was, I was just like blown oh away. God. I was like completely, completely shocked and like completely stunned at what happened um, because we were featured so high up. Like they had 13 points and we were like the fourth, like as the thing to do. Um, and it was just massive for us. It, it set us up from being a kind of small company with an MVP to all of a sudden national awareness overnight. You know, that week we sold 10 times more than we'd sold since we launched. Um, so it was just like this hockey stick, boom. Um, and just like, wow, like, here we are. This is it. Like, now's the time to go. Um, so that was crazy. That is amazing, man. And and just organically happened, not you knew somebody with the paper or it just, you were reading it like everybody else. That's really Cool. I can't imagine as an entrepreneur, like that happening and like how you're feeling that day, probably way excited, blown away. And then a little bit scared too. Like, Oh my God, what, what, what does this mean for us? How, how do we navigate this? What's about to happen? Well, exactly. Like truth be told, we weren't really ready for it. Right. We were <laughs> four months old. Like, you know, our website was a website we built on Shopify and it was like, cool, but we hadn't spent time optimizing it or we hadn't, you know, a, a, we didn't have a good CRM user journey or, you know, we were really few months in and I'd been focusing on the independent pharmacies and then this kind of all kicked off. But I mean, you know, wouldn't change it for the world. It was a <laughs> incredible moment in time. Yeah. And, and backing up in your story a second, man, I so appreciate the business owner mindset of being the salesman because you went to the pharmaceuticals and, and the stores and you sold the business owner on what they care about, how to make more money. Yeah. Now you can sell them both products. This is not a replacement product. This is not uh, your customer going away and not coming back. Now you have two products to sell the same customer. You can make twice as much money per customer. That is so brilliant. And, and that business owner mindset of how to approach sales, that, that speaks to me there on, on the financial side and, and to your background there. I love that. Yeah. So no. How did that change for you, man? From like, like that point then, like here you are, you're kind of almost seeming like if you're going to independent pharmacies, doing this kind of like, all right, we're small scale, like we're warming up door to door type prospecting to now mm -hmm. like, oh my God, everybody just found out about us. <laughs> they also yeah. website go up. <laughs> Obviously this creates an opportunity for you as well with now other, I mean, you're not the only person that saw the newspaper, the places that you would want to sell to, like the prospects for carrying your product, they saw the same thing. What did that do for you guys from the standpoint of changing your strategy 
or fielding calls? Like, how did that make a difference with, again, going out and finding uh, places that were going to sell tonic health? Yeah, of course. I mean, it was always our strategy to go into big grocers as well, but we kind of needed the ammunition for that. And that article obviously gave us that ammunition to go and do that. So very quickly after that happened, we launched in Boots, which is, you know, the UK's largest pharmacy chain, similar to Walgreens. Um, so that kind of set us on a, a national scale and also trusted because it's like, okay, well, if Boots are going to take you, then, uh, you know, you guys are are legit. Um, so, and it, it, yeah, it kind of puts on this immediate, like, oh, wow, now we've got to sort this, this, and this and do it all very, very quickly. Um, but that journey actually wasn't then so smooth because you're kind of retrospectively going back, okay, we need this, we need this, we need this. Um, and then also what happened in the pandemic is there were crazy fluctuations to the point where we actually sold out then completely couldn't get enough stock in. Um, so then we had a delay with our manufacturing. So we were out of stock for about three weeks and you've like got customers phoning you going, how much stock can we sell? Like, we'll give you this PO for this size. And I'm like, like I, I can give it to you in three weeks. Um, and then they're going, no, thank you very much. And it was almost like a bit of a, a race to who could get what product. And we saw loads of people come to us and also opportunistic people come to us like we've never heard from before. Random traders going, hey, we're going to buy this from you. Like, we'll give you a PO. And we were like, sorry, we're going to service our our independent customers first, we're going to, you know, the people who have been with us and supported us up until this time, you know, they deserve to have tonic first before some new customer that's just on an opportunistic kind of one-off, one-off buy. So there, there were, it was definitely a, a bit of a roller coaster at that time because we had so much to figure out and fix whilst at the same time running out of stock, desperately flying in new ingredients from all over the world on, you know, normally you ship them across the world, it's nice and cheap, but then we had to air freight them in and all this kind of stuff. And it, it was just chaos, honestly, for three, four months. <laughs> were, were you even worried about like, are we keeping our, our margins here? Is our profit here? Or are you just trying to like, let me get all I can and just get the product out the door? Was that just the, the, the fire you were putting out? Well, yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously, we knew our margins. I had a tight grip on the numbers. So I kind of knew what is profitable, what isn't, and where the lines should be drawn. Um, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, we ended up spending more money to just make sure we had stock and get the get the ingredients we needed to make the product so that, you know, we had something to sell, because ultimately, selling something is better than selling nothing, even if the margins a little bit less. In my business during that time, our business, our business. Well, <laughs> I don't know soon if you remember this or not. No, no five credit years ago, here. Chad stopped learning from me. And at that point in time, he, I let him be out of the business. He just hasn't, he hasn't learned it yet. Cause he stopped he learning. Figured that out. Yeah. Um, but no, and the, the thing that's funny though, is in that business model that we're in, there was a, again, we noticed like the shortage of product and supplies and the, the ingredients for us that we need to succeed. And so I had to buy backup ingredients. I'm like, all right, buy, like, we may run out of this that we use here. That's this. So let's buy that. So we bought stuff we never even used as an emergency, right? Like a plan B. I don't know if we're trying to figure out ways again, like, you know, not to stay in business per se, but to service our clients. By the way, kudos for what you did there too. We did exactly the same thing. We're like all these opportunities, people calling us. I'm like, my first priority is to my, my existing customers. Like I got to take care of them first before we can take care of anybody else. But yeah, I don't know if you guys had to do anything like that, like sourcing new ingredients or trying to 
work on the blend of the product? Did you, did you have to do anything like that in that process? No, luckily not. Um, luckily, it was just a case of paying for expedited air freight deliveries from around the world and securing it. But, you know, we also had to then, you know, take really big challenging bets right and put a lot of money up front to secure those ingredients and raw materials and you know suppliers weren't being very friendly at the time because it was a bit of a bum fight for these things so you know it's cash up front or you don't get it and you're having to put down you know chunks of money that you're like damn if we can't sell this we don't have a business anymore but hey ho, let's give it a go you know um and <laughs> you know you just have to trust that you know you've got customers and it will come good and yeah, we, yeah. we muddled our way through it. But I think that, um, you know, the uncertainty of the pandemic is, you know, actually, whilst it kind of got us off the ground and gave us that boost, I think, honestly, it's probably been an, an incredible challenge, even though we're a product that has product market fit in a pandemic, for sure. Like the uncertainty and the inconsistency is a complete nightmare. If you asked me what a base month of sales is for Tonic, I probably wouldn't be able to give you an accurate answer because we've had so many changes over the last, you know, 14, 15 months. It's like, I don't actually know where my baseline is. Yeah. It's a bit crazy. Yeah, you, you, you definitely had to take some risk there because the pandemic was tremendously unknown. I mean, it's still somewhat unknown, but is it going to get better really fast? Is it going to get locked down where people can't show up to buy our stuff or what's ordering inventory and materials became a huge risk and something that you were just having to try to make educated guesses on. And, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, that would have been a place of fear in a time of panic and chaos and fear where a lot of people would have probably balled up and instead of bowed up and took advantage of the opportunity and been able to deliver for the customers and, and kudos to that, man. I, I think fear and stress can push people in drastically opposite directions. And you were able to, to overcome that and say, Hey, this, this is our business. This is what we're here for. This is an opportunity that that will never happen again. Let's harness it and take the risk and spend the money and, see what happens and here you are through the other side of it or, or, or a large part through the other side of it, crushing it. I mean, we're not even on the other side, unfortunately, we're still in lockdown in London. Um, so we, that's why I'm still holed up in okay. my room, but, um, yeah. you know, you're absolutely right. We, you know, we were planning inventory three months ahead of time and, you know, who knew what was three months ahead of us. I mean, we've been through, we're in our third lockdown now in the UK. And of course, like our retail customers like Boots, um, you know, they're on the high street. So whilst they may be allowed to stay open because they're an essential retailer and they sell pharmacy products, there's no one on the high street. The footfall is 80% down. So of course, our rates of sale were going up and down and up and down with the lockdown. So it was incredibly difficult to plan. But, you know, I think like you say, what what kept me going and ultimately, you know, I was making educated guesses is the fundamental fact of I believe that this product, regardless of the pandemic, is something that is here to stay and is needed. And, you know, it's more of a structural thing where we've got it wrong in the market. We focus on the symptom. The symptom is actually your immune system fighting the virus. You know, when you catch a virus, whether it be a cold or a flu or coronavirus, you know, your body temperature elevates by about 0.5 degrees, even if you don't have a fever. And the reason why it does that 
is so the virus rate of replication goes down and your immune cells can fire and move around the body much more efficiently. So, you know, we fundamentally then go and take pharma drugs, which suppress all those things. And we're actually attacking the immune system rather than attacking the virus. And I think that principle rings true pandemic, no pandemic. And that's what I'm on a mission to change, which is why I will always keep going. Now, now you're on this mission to change this and you're going up some pretty big against some pretty big players here. You're going up against changing a mindset and billions of dollars of marketing from drug companies. You've also got lots of competitors in this space in particular. Uh, what have you seen happen there? Have, have people reached out? Have you been threatened? Uh, have you got uh, lawsuits? Have you had to fight for shelf space? What's What all have you encountered from that aspect of competition? Yeah, I mean, it is. We are going up against the big pharma giants. And, you know, there's one big company in particular that's the number one brand in the UK and the US. So they are really my number one guy. But, um, you know, what have we experienced? I think it's an incredibly difficult category to get into because, like you say, there's this barrier to entry of education um, that these big companies have the marketing bucks to just market, market, market. Um, and that's why we've got to do it differently and do it in ways that engage with the consumer. You know, these, these guys have been selling the same thing for the last 40, 50 years that don't fundamentally work. And we just need to shed light on that truth and believe that the customers will come. And, you know, it's incredibly encouraging as a small business when you get so many people come to your brand and then just leave you amazing five-star reviews and really tell you how well this product works and that they're a complete convert. You know, we've had, um, which always touches me, like we've had customers who since the pandemic have been taking tonic every single day, which is, all, you know, over a year now. And, you know, they're 82 and they have this as their morning kind of like 11s is at 11 a.m. is like a nice hot drink. And, you know, it just makes them feel better and healthy. And, you know, touch wood, they've been, you know, they've been building their immune system for a year. So they're going to be in an incredible place if they do fight an infection at any point. And that, that's just so touching. And I think that power of, you know, the authenticity, the real story and really making a difference is something that these big guys can't buy. I mean, that's interesting too, Suno, when you're trying to, to create a different narrative for your customer to listen to and then believe. And some of it is going to battle up against the narrative that, again, you said 40, 50, 60 years, they've been hearing if I get a headache, then I take this pharmaceutical. If I get a cough, then I take this pharmaceutical and it makes it better. And so your part of your narrative is like, well, actually it may prolong it and it's attacking your immune system. And so how, from a, from a marketing perspective, how have you been able to, if you tell someone like, Hey, what you've always believed to be true is not true. A lot of people are like, Nope, not going to believe it. How have you kind of weaved that narrative in? So, so people could both not have to reject everything they've ever heard, but also start to accept, uh, I say for lack of better words, a new truth, which I guess would be fundamental toward getting people to buy your product. How have you been able to do that? It's honestly, it's the biggest challenge we have. And I don't think we've even cracked it. You know, we're learning and scratching the surface as we speak. Um, you know, I think product testimonials, customer testimonials of like, people actually sharing their case study and their story of like, this is how it worked for me. And, you know, 
hearing and feeling that experience is incredibly powerful. But in terms of the brand language and communications we use, you know, we try and always be very transparent and honest and bring it back to the fundamentals of science and the immune system to help educate people so that they can really start to go, oh, really, is that what it does? And dispel some of these myths, but do it in a bit of a, a fun and engaging way so people can engage with it. Um, but like you say, there's, there's also legal challenges of what you are and aren't allowed to say. Um, and, you know, how we get around that is actually, it's not us. It's not tonic. We don't say tonic does this. Tonic is the magic potion. That's not what it is. Your magic potion is your immune system. It's the power within us. It's what keeps us defended. It's what keeps us healthy. And it's what's going to protect you if you fight an infection. And we honestly are just often sharing what the immune system does because it's incredible. And people just don't even know that. And then when they go, oh, wow, the immune system, cool. And then you go, well, and here's a product that helps your immune system. Um, and we do it with, you know, natural plants and high dose vitamins and absolutely no junk ingredients and no added sugar. And they go, yeah, okay, cool. I'll give it a go. Um, so that's a bit of the journey, but we're hundred percent still on it. Um, you know, we haven't even scratched the surface. I don't believe in what we can achieve and do. So, so you've got a, some history in the marketing side of things and, and you mentioned uh, running a, a Shopify online platform. Are you using social media to drive traffic uh, for the direct uh, consumer or are you doing paid advertising? How are you acquiring the customer's attention to direct them to your brand and, and the message you're sharing? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, we're absolutely using paid media, you know, paid Facebook, paid social. Um, we are, Google, PPC, AdWords, these kinds of things, display. Um, but fundamentally, I think it's about building a, a movement around your brand. I think, you know, the big guys will always be able to outspend us. So marketing bucks just on Facebook isn't going to cut it. We have to, you know, we have to create a real narrative and a, and a story around what we're trying to achieve that people can resonate with and engage with so that, they go, wow, yeah, actually, I should be doing it like this, you know. And um, one of the funny examples of some censorship we've experienced is, um, you know, one of the rules that they've put on us in the UK is, as a brand, we're not even allowed to mention the coronavirus word. It's, you know, it's illegal. We can't say coronavirus. Not, you know, just not even Tonic does this for coronavirus, but, like, we can't even just say, like, hey, in these tough times with COVID, maybe look after your immune system. Like you can't even just mention the word, which is pretty crazy. Um, and I, I fundamentally think it's slightly wrong because it's kind of censorship of science if we're sharing science. But, um, you know, one thing we did to be a little bit different and get around that is we made a billboard that said um, high dose vitamin C. And then next to that billboard, we put an advert for channel four in the uk which is a tv channel so it has the big number four and then next to that billboard we put an advert for corona beer so it was like high dose vitamin c for corona and like that actually it kind of blew up like it got picked up by that is awesome <laughs> it was a it was a nice creative idea by our marketing our head of marketing and you know it it blew up like it got picked up by loads of other it Instagrammers, um, you know, there was this brilliant ads, which is just a platform that picks up amazing campaigns by all brands that has like 
millions of followers and they picked it up and posted about it. And as soon as they picked up and posted about it, when it went to millions, it got shut down. It got taken off the internet. They, they just deleted it. And, it. and I was like, damn, like, you know, you, you really are up against the big guys because they really have stopped this stuff. Um, but that, you know, a lot of people saw it. And so it probably did a job for us. So, you know, we will keep doing those things because, you know, we're not trying to mislead people. You know, the facts are, and this is where I go, I judge myself on the ethics side of it, which is if I'm sharing science and truthful stuff that, I, you know, is, is fact, then I don't really care what the censors say because I think they're censoring science and that's completely wrong. So like, you know, with vitamin C, you know, there's seven different studies now which show a high dose vitamin C can radically improve patient outcomes with COVID. You know, it's been used in Wuhan. It's been used all over America in plenty of hospitals. And why shouldn't we be able to talk about that? You know, I get it. I can't say, hey, tonic cures COVID because definitely hasn't been tested or studied. But why can't we have a conversation about that science? I mean, vitamin D, there's now 54 studies across the globe, different scientists, all showing on average, 64% improvement with COVID patient outcomes. And we can't talk about it. And according to the government and the media and the regulators, it's not enough evidence yet to suggest we should use vitamin D for COVID. I'm like, how many studies do you need? It's 54. Like, who draws the line? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's dangerous, man. It's just dangerous to talk about solutions that aren't proven because we have all these other solutions that aren't, aren't proven. Yeah. This is so crazy. <laughs> the whole thing, man. Hey, I'll tell you though, this, the interesting thing and in talking about the you know, kind of the entry point of this talk was like Chad mentioned it. I mentioned it going up against the giants. So the most famous going up against the giant story of all times, David and Goliath. And people know the story. Oh, David, you know, had a slingshot, hit him with a rock. What people don't know is that when David went to pick up or like get some rocks that he realized that Goliath had brothers. And so I think it was Goliath had five brothers. And so he picked up five other rocks, which number one, shows a bunch of confidence, right? He's like, I have five brothers, five rocks. I'm good. But he was planning for like, okay, there may be more giants than I'm up against instead of just this one that's, you know, yelling at me. And when you get into this entrepreneur venture, legitimately there is, like you're saying, it's like, man, I know I, you knew you were going to be competing with some of the major pharmaceutical players, but you probably didn't think I'm also going to be competing with the government I'm going to be competing with the media. Like so many of these people that are coming out like Goliath's brothers, you know, they're like, oh, hey, look there, there's another giant. So, I mean, talk to us a little bit more soon about just how you've been able to navigate this because you're still in business, right? I mean, here you are. In right? business, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You're still slinging Fine. rocks at giants, man. Still, so, still, still slinging rocks. You found just, I, and I love the story of the billboards, by the way. That It reminds me of a story one of our first guests told us about billboards too. It was great. Uh, I don't, I don't have the billboard genius that you guys have, but that is awesome the way you put it together. So that was, that was a rocky slate of giant width in my opinion. Yeah. And it's also just having fun in your space. Yeah. I love that creative side of business and it, it's a very serious time and a very serious product and topic, but y'all are having fun with it and coming up with ideas. That's really cool. But yeah, but yeah I, I'd love to hear more about uh, kind of what Josh is, is hitting on from the, from the story of uh you're still here and you're still competing and, and how, what all is going on right now? 
Well, uh, and I love the, I've never heard that story about David and Goliath and the other rocks, um, but it's absolutely spot on in terms of, you know, you know, we did that billboard thing, but that was just one thing. Now we need the next thing and we need the next rock to chip at. And, you know, one of those kind of challenges against the big guys you always face is right from a regulatory perspective. If I put like one microgram of vitamin C in my product versus you know, I have 1,500 milligrams, I can't say anything different, right? I, there's no difference in what I can say or claim. So what you have is all these incumbents selling you super low dose vitamins, which have been proven in science at that dose to be very ineffective against cold and flu or your immune system, help your immune system. And then on the flip side, we've got like science backed levels, but we can't really tell you that ours is any better than anyone else's. So how do how, you know it's a real challenge for us and how do we get that across with our consumers and so we've actually got very some, something very exciting launching in a couple of weeks time um in april which is a partnership with a, a blood testing company in the uk and we're launching the uk's first immune health testing program so you'll be able to get your blood tested you'll be able to understand your vitamin d levels your level of inflammation in the body and now, you know, I have to be clear, there is no singular test which shows or defines your immune health, but there are some markers which can suggest your level of immune health. So what, we, what we're doing is creating a package where consumers can buy that blood test, they can test where they are now, and then we encourage them to take tonic every day for, for eight weeks, whilst also looking at a broader functional health program, which covers sleep, diet, exercise, you know, expert advice from our doctor, from our nutritionist, and really like give them the power and, and, and empower our consumers to take control of their health and believe that they can change it. Um, and then at the end of the program, you take your test again, and you can really see the difference. And I think that's one of the challenges that we've got to overcome and is another rock we're throwing because you know, most people kind of think, oh, well, I don't know, can I really affect my health? Like, do it, does it really work? They take products and they're never quite sure, like they might feel a little bit better, but then they take it for a couple of months and they're not really sure because it's something that's really hard to define. Um, you know, so we're trying to do those kind of things, which the big guys can't do because, well, at their ineffective doses, those biomarkers aren't going to dramatically improve in eight weeks. But with our high doses, they really are. I've tested it on myself um, and I've done the blood work myself. So I know you can dramatically change those levels with the right doses. And so, yeah, you've just got to keep on coming up with these rocks and constantly chipping away. And it takes time as well, right? You know, it, it, who knows? Maybe we have another podcast in five years time. I'll still be saying the same thing about, I need to find the next rock, but we'll see. <laughs> hey, Tim Ferriss talks about this. And I think it was in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, but we're about knowing, knowing the rules. Like you got to know the rules of engagement. You got to know the rules and the laws that you're fighting up against, because if you do understand and know what they are, most of your competition doesn't know what the rules are. They don't know what the laws are governing things. Chad's actual expertise is in, um, in the U S is in taxes. And so he knows the rules of the game when it comes to money and the U S tax code. Well, if you don't know that you're at a competitive disadvantage, it's when you know the rules, and again, your billboard story is perfect for this. It's like, I did what I wanted to do. Had the law not been what it was, I would have done this on one billboard, but I was able to do it through three billboards. 
And it was within the rules of the game. And I love how Ferris talks about that. But, man, seeing how you did that in that billboard thing, I'm telling you, I'm like, oh, man, that is so <laughs> awesome. But as you go forward, man, that, that's another piece of that with the Giants is that uh, oftentimes the, the major players have money, and money influences politics, and politics influences laws. And so your competitors, when they're giant, can, like, stack laws against you. And so being nimble and knowing, all right, well, how can I know what this new law is and then be able to leverage my way around it? Not doing anything illegal, not doing anything morally or ethically wrong, but understanding this was an obstacle set up against me and I'm going to overcome it. Um, your story's filled with that, man. I love it. Tell us a little more in regards soon. It's kind of, kind of as we're wrapping up, landing the plane here. What does the future look like for your entrepreneur adventure and for Tonic Health? And then what can our listeners take away from your vision? Because again, you're you're jumping over some of these obstacles. What kind of, what can they take away from your mindset and your vision that's going to help them out in their businesses? Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the biggest thing I've learned, as I've said throughout my journey is that kind of, you know, patient urgency, get the knowledge, learn the rules of the game, understand, you know, what you're up against and how you're playing, because without like you say, knowing those guidelines and how you can navigate them, you really, you will struggle. Um, and then it's also having that kind of, I think you have to have to have to have like a mission or something that is driving you because, you know, you hear it a lot. It's quite overplayed, but I don't think anyone truly understands it until they're in it and they've run their own business. This is a seven day a week gig i will wake up on a sunday morning at 6 a.m and i just my brain's on work and i'm like damn there's no lying today i've got to just get up and get this stuff off my mind right and i'll i've had mornings where from 6 to 10 a.m on a sunday morning i've done four hours of work because the missus was still asleep and i could just churn out a load of things that were on my mind and you know it's hard like it never gets off your mind it is seven days a week. There's always more to do, always more to learn. And times are going to get super tough, right? It's, it's sexy and it's fun, like everyone talks about, but it's actually really bloody hard, right? It's really, really tough at times. And the only thing I think that keeps me going is this kind of ethical mission that I'm on. If I want to fix a market injustice, like if it wasn't for that, you know, why would I be doing this, right? There's been months in the journey where I've not paid myself for three months because I'm like, yeah, I kind of need to manage cash flow and I better not pay myself. And then I'm like going, damn, I'm at the end of my overdraft. Like, how do I deal with this? Uh, I need to like buy food. Um, you know, and there are those moments. And, you know, it's only the mission that keeps you going because otherwise you'd just be like, damn, I could just get a corporate job. I'd earn, you know, comfortable money and I could have an easy life. <laughs> so... But, you know, I, I, I love that you can see the angle of the appeal of that, but something about the entrepreneur just inside of all of us, it's just not an option. And, and you're right, man, you, you wake up, not only do you wake up to work every day, especially in your industry and your journey, you're waking up to fight every day. And man, that is, uh, that's tough day in, day out. And to know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel to, to continue to spread the message and the product and to educate. It's a long journey, but it's so worth it. It's, it's what we're built for. And I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I think for what's next with tonic, you know, we are, 
growing rapidly. We've just actually launched uh, today a really, really cool listing, which I think starts to cement this behavior in consumers. We've launched in um, WH Smith, which is the leading kind of travel retailer in the UK. So we're in, in hundreds of train stations and airports across the country. So we're trying to build that behavior of like, hey, when you're going out and about, you should look after your immune system. Um, which is really, really exciting for us and gives us a whole new window to a whole new load of customers that wouldn't necessarily see us. Um, and then, you know, obviously international expansion, um, you know, the US has a very big market where you guys are actually more developed than we are in terms of this product range and this category. Um, but you, you have an understanding of when I'm sick, there's something I can do about it. Whereas believe it or not here in the UK, the number of people that actually just go, well, oh, there's nothing I can do and go home to bed is about 60% of the market. So most of the people just don't even do anything. Um, and that's where you guys are up more at the, I think it's 78% of people will buy a product to help them through cold and flu. So we're absolutely looking at um, coming across the pond and, and hopefully I can meet you guys soon in person. Man, we needed to happen. I'm telling you, about a month ago, I was telling my wife, actually, just a couple months ago, I was asking people, and you, can, I want you to tell me, and when I'm finished with this question here, uh, or this is the question, finish my comment, what is actually in the product? Like what vitamins are in it? But you were saying the thing about vitamin D. Several years back, I'm, so I'm 40 years old. When I was 35, I was feeling very lethargic. And I had mono when I was in college. So I was like, man, maybe, like, maybe, it's mono coming back out or so because I felt the same as I felt back then. Just no energy. Just want to sleep early. I just couldn't get back. And I went to see my doctor and he said, well, man, there may be an issue. He's like, but men your age, he's like, they start to see a decline in vitamin D. So go take this vitamin D supplement and either it will fix the problem in a couple of days or you'll need to come back and see me. And so mm -hmm. I went and got the vitamin D supplement. As good as new in a couple of days. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But the thing I asked my wife was that, I'm like, man, I don't really want to take a bunch of tablets or capsules or pills. I'm like, if I could drink the, I like, I like consuming beverage. If I could drink it, man, it'd be so much easier. So, and here you are on the podcast. I'm like, if you could just pass the tonic health through the screen, man, I would love this. What's in the product and when is it going to get to the United? I'm, I'm going to be your first customer over here, man. I'm telling you, I want, I want this stuff. How can I get it? What's in it though? Awesome. What's in it? So, we use high dose vitamin C, D, and zinc as our kind of three fundamental pillars as the most scientific, well-researched vitamins for your immune system, basically, which, you know, they're very common. They're not technically new things. Our uniqueness comes in the dose. So we give ultra high doses to make sure it has corrective action quickly. Um, and then we combine it with plants so that you get the polyphenol and antioxidant benefits of things like elderberry and ginger and lemon that we have in the product. And then we do it in the cleanest way possible. So with no junk ingredients, no added sugar. And there's reasons for all those things, because essentially to your point around the drinking, you know, when you take a tablet, your body can only absorb between 20 and 30% of the vitamin content of that tablet, because it's coming in such a condensed form that it doesn't recognize and that it, it basically kind of goes through your digestive system and a lot of it isn't absorbed. Um, whereas when you mix your sachet, we have a drink mix sachet, when you mix that with water, it, it already starts to, you know, 
liquefy those vitamins and it's in a form that's much more easily absorbable. You then combine that with the plants, which means your body recognize it as a food source. And when you drink it, you can get up to 90% absorption on average. Um, so you get a much kind of higher impact from a, a drinking a vitamin. So that's kind of actually why we did it. Even though, like you say, a lot of people have pill fatigue and kind of a bored of taking pills, we did it for the absorption. Um, and that's kind of what has got us going um, on that side of things. Well, at Chad's age, he has one of those things, Suno, where it's like the, it's the big like plastic container and it's got like the days of the week on it. So it's like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And he has to like open up his little Sunday cap, you know, <laughs> container and take his 14 pills for Sunday. So Listen, Tony, man, we, like, we there's a need a in the marketplace for what you got. We will have a poll right now on who he believes is the younger partner here. And, and I'm not saying it's because of my full luscious head of hair. He would <laughs> be being the younger one, but I'm just saying, I think I would win that. Uh, no, to, to, to kind of touch on that, I've got a, in my accounting firm, I've got a, a pharmacy client um, that they manage pharmacies and hospitals all over the country here. And he told me about four years ago, Hey, here's what I do. If I feel like I'm starting to get sick or it's coming into cold and flu season, he said, every day I take a high level of vitamin C and zinc and mix a little bit of vitamin D with it. And that's like, I, I have done that for the last four or five years, knock on wood, no flu, no sickness. I haven't been out of work. Like it is truly a game changer and the pills are horrible. Like that freaking zinc pill is like <laughs> sandpaper. You're trying to swallow. Like I, it is, I can't even describe how bad it is. And then if I take the pills all at one time, like, God, my body just like freaks out 10 or 15 minutes later. And it's like, I'm, I just don't feel good. And it's like hitting me all at once. So having it in a beverage form, man, we're, we're in, we're going to, we're going to fly you over here to do a taste test and do a sample and uh, let's get this thing started uh, here in the U.S. Awesome. Uh, Listen, we'll, we'll get some sent over to you guys. Let me know your address and, you know, we'll, we'll get you some to try. But, you know, it's you, also... Go on. If you mix it with like a bourbon or a vodka, does it still work just as well? <laughs> I, you, you actually joke, but honestly, at Christmas. So <laughs> in, in the U.K., right, a classic English drink is called the hot toddy. So it's le lemon, whiskey, and honey, and cinnamon stick kind of all mixed together. But one of our tonics is honey and lemon. So you mix the honey and lemon sachet with your whiskey and your water into the delicious hot toddy, basically. Um, so we, we actually have done it. And, you know, hey, alcohol isn't good for the immune system, but it's Christmas. So once a year, <laughs> you can do it, right? <laughs> I may be feeling a bit ill this afternoon. I may have to try that out. <laughs> that is awesome. Suna, tell our, our audience where they can find you online and where they can find out more about Tonic Health. Awesome. Yeah. So we're just at www.tonichealth.co um, and on social media, we're at Tonic Health. Um, so you'll find us on all platforms and yeah, check us out. We'll be coming over stateside very soon. If you can get those, man, just again, put the tabs on them Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so Chad knows which one to take. That'll be awesome, man. We can't wait to see you here over here on the other side of the pond. Thanks so much for giving us some time today, Suna. No, thank you, Josh. Thanks, Chad. It's uh, been a great conversation. Thanks for having me. If you're a fan of the Entrepreneur Adventure podcast, we would love to hear about it. 
you can leave us a review right here on your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe to the podcast or you can find us on Instagram at The Entrepreneur Adventure. Until next time, thank you for joining us.